to the Blockade Runner podcast number 108, or uh, as it's otherwise known, They Call Me Sheev Part 2. Uh, we're back to do our Palpatine episode that we've been talking about doing for like six weeks, um, the second half of it. So this one's going to be all about Sheev, Palpatine in the original trilogy and potentially in the sequel trilogy. So um, to talk about all things Palpatine, um, joining me tonight, as always, is Ryan. How you doing, Ryan? Great. I love that you referred to this as uh, they call me Sheev part two, as in that was like a long anticipated sequel and it's like this it's like this ridiculous reference to a teenage bottle rocket song about minecraft yeah and yeah. uh yeah i it's a very dumb joke but, but let's not uh, suggest let's not suggest our fan base has not been clamoring for this second uh the second episode you know what i mean it is a it is a big sequel in that regard yeah, and like the best part about this episode is I haven't prepared for it at all. <laughs> okay, well, like, I don't I've, know. If... I, I've literally done nothing to prepare for this, and it's been like a month and a half. No, you've been preparing um, your whole life, Ryan, and uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. We've got some good notes. Um, I think you did all the prep on the first part, so it's only natural that I've done all the prep on the second. So, I mean, yeah. actually, yeah, it'll work out really well. Yeah, you know, I'm seeing the notes for the first time right now, and uh, <laughs> there's a lot of words there, and I think those words look good. You actually did add a few things to these notes um, when we thought we were going to make this one episode instead of uh, instead of two, but we went on for too long, um, uh-huh. if you can believe it, after this introduction. <laughs> so um, why don't we why don't we jump in? Let's talk about. Okay. Uh, Palpatine in the original trilogy. So um, actually, Ryan, the very first note on this document is from you. And it's about the fact that uh, Palpatine, um, at some point around the original, well, actually before the original trilogy era, uh, founded the Inquisitors to hunt down the remnants of the Jedi. Um, And so that would be sort of, because our last episode was all about sort of Palpatine and his machinations and all that stuff in the prequel uh, era. But we ended it by discussing, you know, the final moments of Revenge of the Sith and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. um, just kind of following his life and story kind of chronologically here. I mean, that is where it would kick off probably really is like um, after uh, Revenge of the Sith in terms of like what we've seen, at least on screen anyway. Um, yeah, it's like this whole uh, Inquisitor program that's meant to help uh, him and Darth Vader extinguish the Jedi, I suppose you'd say. Yeah, and just like the... You know, they're extinguishing the Jedi because, like, those, like, the Jedi could be potential threats. But, like, I mean, you know, like, he's also, like, he's uh, in about halfway through A New Hope. Like, he, like, abolishes the Galactic Senate. Like, he's, and I think that's, like, this kind of stuff is what makes Palpatine such a good villain and you know like not all of this stuff was like you know stuff that george wrote in you know in the 70s and stuff but you know as we've layered onto like his character throughout the years like he didn't he's not just like this like single motivation villain like i don't know like you look at like most of our villains in like pop culture and like i mean people could argue 
about about this with me but like you know like thanos or you know like any other like genre villain happening right now um like they have this like one single goal and like they have this one plan to do it but like with palpatine like he's like yeah i'm doing like all this political stuff on the side but like on this other side I also have a plan to deal with these, like, superheroes, like the Jedi. And I think that's just, like, what makes him, like, so interesting and cool as a villain. And, you know, especially in the context we're looking at him now, you know, potentially, I mean, playing some sort of role in Episode Nine. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And it's also really interesting, too, because, like, as you pointed out sort of there, uh, he kind of started out as one of the villains that you're describing in a way. I mean, I I still think he was really interesting and cool uh, in the original trilogy, but he was sort of one-dimensional in terms of, like, his, you know, desires and things like Mm -hmm. that. I mean, we'll talk about how he was kind of playing Darth Vader and, you know, the seeds of that are... Uh, I guess the seeds aren't the right word, but uh, the the sort of evidence of that is there in the original trilogy. But obviously, that's expanded upon so much in the prequels. So mm-hmm. it is kind of, it's kind of funny too to talk about um, you know Palpatine this way after doing the whole episode about the prequel era version of him because he is so rich and layered uh, mm-hmm. in, in that version of 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 Palpatine. And then it's sort of like now we watch the original trilogy and then we we think about that stuff as we think about Palpatine, but like as it was on the screen in 70, well, no, in 80 and 83, especially, um, Mm -hmm. there wasn't quite all that much to him, uh, in that way. But, you know, even still, I think he was, he was pretty, he was compelling because he was this like twisted up old guy in a a robe. And then all of a sudden he's shooting lightning out of his fingers. You know what I mean? It was like, yes, he was like a sort of in terms of his desires or whatever, he was, you know, fairly one dimensional, like, you know, um, typical villain. Uh, but, I don't know, he didn't look powerful and he, you know, um, I guess he was like the the sorcerer type uh, villain mm-hmm. or whatever. So, um, which it's not like that had never been seen before. But but yeah, on the, yeah. On the whole Inquisitor thing, um, like you said, I mean, like it, it, uh, it demonstrates that he's got always got like lots of things going on. He's got contingency mm-hmm. plans, which is something we'll talk about uh, in a little <laughs> bit here. But he's got like, he's always got a couple different irons in the fire, you know? So whether that's, um, you know, Dooku with eyes on Anakin, you know, looking to replace, you know, Dooku or maybe even Maul, you know, looking to replace Maul eventually with Anakin. Like he always has something kind of, or multiple things kind of going on in the Inquisitors, I suppose, are an example of that. And just on a quick side note, because we're really good at being quick with our side notes, um, mm-hmm. tomorrow we're going to see <laughs> some footage of uh, the Jedi Fallen Order, and that will uh, we'll, we'll be bringing the, the Inquisitors back to the forefront of uh, Star Wars fandom and discussion, and that should be really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Let's just keep moving on because there's like so much I could say just like about like this era, but we got to get we got to get to some of the other stuff. We should keep going, um, but shout out to the Grand Inquisitor because I thought he was fantastic. Um, and the Inquisitors, the other ones are cool too, but I really love the Grand Inquisitor myself. So I like Sarah Michelle Gellar. Okay, yeah, she was cool I like, too. I like I like her Inquisitor. Okay, a lot. and I wonder right. if that's the one. I don't know how, like, it's so... No, 
she's not the one in Fallen Order. No, right. No, okay. uh, I forget what number they gave her, but uh, it is another. It's a different number because they talked about that a little bit at the panel okay. uh, at Celebration. So yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, cool. Well, let's jump into the original trilogy. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the first thing to kind of discuss as far as Palpatine goes and the the larger narrative with him is that he is uh, like his goal in. Well, really, why don't we start with the Empire Strikes Back? Because we see him briefly in the Empire Strikes Back and he's just very mysterious at that point, you know, um, but he is talking to Vader uh, about Skywalker and, and you know, um, being able to kind of manipulate that situation, uh, which is, you know, par for the course for him. Um, but like a brief appearance in in uh, in Empire Strikes Back uh, and then obviously, um, you know, we'll, we'll get a lot more of him in Return of the Jedi. Uh, I did actually watch the original Palpatine um, appearance in in The Empire Strikes Back before we recorded part one of uh, Mm. They Call Me Sheev. But um, it's not so fresh in my mind anymore. But I mean, like the the original actor and the original makeup and all that stuff and and, and the The, original The monkey eyes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, you know, things have been changed a little bit now in the um, the special edition, which we're more familiar with. I think both of us are anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen that way way more times at this point than than the original version. Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, to me, the big thing with with, you know, the Empire Strikes Back is that um, the Emperor is there in the one scene, you know, and communicating with Vader. um, And it's just really kind of making it clear that, you know. Uh, there is a, a sort of mastermind um, that's kind of pulling the strings, uh, which is, you know, like Palpatine to a T. So um, I guess that's where we start in the original trilogy, but um, it's fairly, I mean, even even knowing what we know about him from the prequels and Return of the Jedi and everything, I think that scene is just, is very plot driven, you know, and there's not, it, it doesn't, I don't know. Um, it's cool. It's an awesome scene, but I yeah. feel like the meat, you know, the meat of the discussion as far as Palpatine goes in the original trilogy is Return of the Jedi for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So uh, in Jedi, the big thing with uh, with with Palpatine is uh, is him uh, attempting to manipulate Luke, uh, which again is straight out of like Palpatine's playbook. That's what he always does. He's done time and time again, um, and you know this is our first kind of. Uh, the first time we really see it on screen, but um, it, it's what defines his character. So, um, you know, and, he, and he's pretty good. He's pretty good at doing that, uh, obviously. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'd say almost successful with Luke, but, uh, you know, he's he, he gets close to to kind of having his way with Luke and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and manipulating Luke in the same way he did, you know, Anakin in, in Revenge of the Sith. Um, but, uh, obviously the story of the original trilogy there is that Luke is able to, you know, kind of, uh, overcome that, uh, with the help of, of Vader and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, but, but of course it is straight out of Palpatine's playbook to try to manipulate Luke, uh, in the ways that he, that he does. Yeah. And I mean, you have to like wonder, like he only has like a few moments with Luke in, jedi whereas like he had basically a lifetime (laughs) with anakin yeah i mean that's a great point um that is a great point and you know it's interesting because i feel like 
oh well you know as as you started to say it, I'm like no Luke is Luke is the one who could withstand that you know like Luke is the one who's less selfish etc um than Anakin because uh, I have a clear preference you know for for Luke over Anakin um even like you know hero Anakin but mm-hmm. you know the amount of time that he spent with him is a great point and then also like I you know if you think about like well what if Luke had shown up on um you know, Cloud City and the Emperor had been there as well. And the Emperor was able to spend some, mm-hmm. some time with Luke in that time in Luke's life. Would Luke have been able to withstand the manipulation of, of Palpatine um, in, in that scenario? And, you know, I don't know. I, I think, I, I don't know. You know, maybe he could have. He did throw himself off of that, like, weather vane or whatever it was to avoid, you know, kind of being, I don't know, what would you say, um you know, like Vader kind of grabbing hold of him and, and sort of, you know, having control over him or whatever he did. He did choose to throw himself off of that weather vane, but that was just Darth Vader. Um, not, uh, not Palpatine. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as, again, like as far as like that whole situation with Luke, um, it's, it's, it is like this is when we see Palpatine fail. You know what I mean? Because um, we we spent so much time in the last episode talking about him and his you know machinations and his manipulations and all that kind of stuff, and we see it again here in Return of the Jedi. Except for in this case, um, he's not successful. So um, it is it is it is one of those things where um, you know you're coming to the end. We thought, anyways, of that character's arc, and you're seeing that like you know, finally once after so many successful um, orchestrations and manipulations and this, in this one case, he's not able to do it. Um, and, you know, so that's, that's kind of the thing with that. But, uh, you know, again, he comes so close and, um, it, it, and there's that moment when uh, his face turns, you know, it's like Luke throws the lightsaber down and set, it's the, it's the best moment in Star Wars. It's like the best moment in any movie ever, but Luke throws the star, <laughs> the, the lightsaber down and, you know, he says, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. And there's that look on Palpatine's face. Like you see his face turn, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, so be it Jedi. And it's like, Ooh, I'm so mad right now. Like I'm, Oh, this never happens to me. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm always a couple steps ahead. So, um, so what a great moment, but, um, yeah. And, and I guess like, you know, uh, as far as what he's attempting to accomplish there, I mean, this is all very obvious and everyone knows, but, um, you know, he's really trying to replace Vader with a newer model, uh, an upgrade, a less, uh, damaged version of, you know, the pupil or, or whatever you want to say. Um, and, uh, and that's, you know, so manipulative and so, I don't know. It's, it's just so dishonest and, uh, and again, so Palpatine, you know, knowing kind of how he brought Vader there in the first place, how he ruined Vader, you know, on every level, uh, only then to eventually want to, you know, toss him aside in Mm -hmm. those final moments. Um, but that was probably always part of the plan. Yeah. You know, and the same way that he probably always planned, well, for sure he always planned to throw throw Dooku away, et cetera. And Darth Maul. Yeah. And who knows who else, but, yeah. but yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Well, uh, other things from the original trilogy, I think, um, 
one of the things that I love about the Emperor uh, in general, but also, um, you know, especially in the original trilogy, is the way he's kind of presented as this like mysterious sort of like dark magician, mystical type thing. Um, and, I, you know, like you see that a little bit in Empire, but I, I mean, mainly he's, you know, a mystery, I guess you'd say, in Empire. But then like once you get into Return of the Jedi, uh, yeah, I feel like he's just like this evil wizard character um, in in all the best ways. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. What do you, what do you think in, in terms of like if we're ranking, I mean, not like literally ranking with numbers, but, you know, if we're kind of mentally ranking here um, the power of the Force users we see like in that original trilogy, like do, is it fair to say that he was being presented as the most powerful of the Force users we'd seen on screen in, in the original trilogy? I don't know if he was the most powerful force user in the OT, but he definitely wielded the most power because he, again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier, like he had, um, you know, like what like political scientists refer to as like hard power and soft power where like he had control of like governments and um and like he had the power of fear with the death star and um but then he also like could shoot lightning out of his hands and stuff and like send armies to places um so like really and i mean it's crazy like it's it's all this stuff that, like, we've already, like, I feel like we've always known, but, like, we've never, I, like, I've never really had the conversation about, like, dang, the, you know, Palpatine, like, really played his cards right for a really long time, um, you know, until now, but, like, he really did, like, and, you know, like, it's, when you think about, and, you know, again, like, real-world parallels, like, it's, you know, it's hard for, like, a teacher to control a classroom. It's hard for a mayor to control a city. It's hard for, you know, a governor to control a state. It's hard for a president to control a country. Like, and that's kind of where it stops with our... Um, you know, like, the government that we understand. But, like, I can't imagine having, like, a leader of Earth and then, like, taking that to, like, the most insane next level of, like, a leader of the galaxy. And, like, it's, um, yeah, just, like, all the things that he did right for so long to get to that point. Like, he's absolutely the most powerful character ever that we know of in the Star Wars universe. I wish I could remember the name of the famous uh, chess player, the famous Russian chess player that had to play against the computer, mm-hmm. you know, or didn't have to, but uh, did that. Because, um, like, Palpatine's, like, a, a creepy version of him, you know what I mean? Because, like, Starting, he's so... It starts with a K. I don't know how to pronounce yeah. it. But it's not Bobby Fischer. Is it Kasparov or something yeah. like that? Like, I don't know. 
I keep thinking of the name of the guy that created Tetris, and I'm like, nope, that's oh. not it. Alexi <laughs> uh, Pav- Petra. Yeah, I, don't know. I, I heard it. it I actually heard it pronounced on a podcast like a few years ago, like a Retronauts about Tetris, and I was like, yeah. whoa, that was nothing like the name that was in my <laughs> head for all these that years you were, when you were reading it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't have time to talk about him or, uh, Hank, uh, the guy that bought the rights to Tetris or whatever, the Texas dude. But, um, anyway, I was trying to say that like Palpatine's like a creepy version of him in the sense that like galactic chess, he's so good at it, you know, like to be able to control all these little pieces and manipulate them and, and sort of place things, you know, like uh, in the prequels, you know, to be able to sort of, you know, control, uh, you know, if I set up this trade dispute, you know, I'll see the fruits of that years down the road. And, you know, just the way everything kind of lines up with uh, with his plans and machinations and all that kind of thing. But, yeah, I guess in that sense, he is. Um, but I was thinking, like, in terms of force powers, you know, and, and it's an interesting discussion because it's like, well, of course, the Jedi... Um, you know, they're not able to control things in the same way that Palpatine is, you know, they can't control the galaxy, um, as successfully as him, but then it's like, well, they wouldn't try, you know, um, which is not that I think that they could either. Um, but it, it, you know, it's like Palpatine's, um, has this incredible power to control things and to, you know, shape things and to make things as Anakin would say, the way he wants them to be, Mm -hmm. um, and and it's like that is his his strength and that that is the quality that defines him as a character but that's also a defect you know i mean primarily it's a defect it's like that's a problem um and and that is like he's defined by something awful you know uh which i think mm-hmm. a villain you know probably should be right so uh it, it works really well but it, yeah it's like when you talk about like well is he more powerful than the, than the jedi i mean yeah um, you know, for the reasons that you, that you, um, listed there, but it's also like, well, that's what makes the Jedi better than him. You know what I mean? That's what makes him the villain, um, and, and, and them the heroes is because, uh, you know, they shouldn't anyways be trying to control things. Uh, and we, we actually saw that in that theme kind of explored in Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray earlier this year. Um, you know, the concept of, of, uh, of, you know, Qui-Gon being like, well, there's these prophecies that are really interesting, but um, c- kind of coming to a realization, I think, um, at some point in that book, um, you know, that like, well, it's okay maybe to be interested in this stuff. It's maybe okay to try to learn from this stuff, but to use it to try to control things is probably not the way to go. Um, whereas then like Dooku, you know, he became um, enveloped in a desire to, to know the future and control the future as did Anakin, et cetera. So I think like, you know, that's one of the kind of key um, differences between a character like Palpatine and then our heroic characters is that, you know, I think um, George and Star Wars and whatever would, would indicate that, you know, wanting to control things and shape things, the outcome of things is um, not a healthy or positive trait. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that is like the, you know, the crux of Anakin's story. And, you know, this is like something that was really well explored in The Last Jedi with like a lot of Luke's misgivings about the Jedi Order. Um, And then, you know, like, you know, like he, he called out like a lot of the, 
the failings and the downfall of the of the Jedi Order and, you know, why he initially thought it should end. Um, but then, you know, in the in the last scene, like he also, you know, su- saw something in Rey that made him think like, no, like, I won't be the last Jedi like this this person is going to continue it um and i think um i don't know like that's that's something that's like it's cool that like we're exploring this now kind of and um and also like again like everything is like as shocking as things have been at in like the moments like when you step back from them like you know the stuff in last jedi and you know what we're seeing now with palpatine um in episode nine like as we've been talking through this you know like you know i just kind of um talk through like why you know i believe that palpatine is the most powerful person ever in star wars in this like galaxy of like incredibly powerful people with like these superhuman powers that are like all on this like epic scale and then like yeah i mean like when you think about it that way like why 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 would he have just died falling down a reactor like why would that have been the end of his story like i mean i'm not saying like oh he didn't die there like i don't know like i don't life and death in star wars is so like (laughs) abstract at this point like it barely even matters if someone's dead or alive really um (laughs) because like it's like oh man luke died in that last movie i wonder what role he'll play in episode nine (laughs) like these are like actual (laughs) conversations we have um but it's like you know we we talk about like these these plans that he's had and like how he's been playing this like four-dimensional chess for so so long and like how he got this impossible power like the the emperor of the galaxy is like oh that's a like a cool like buck rogers term but then like when you actually spend time in this universe and you see like all these different planets and the people and like the problems they have and all this stuff. And you're like, Oh yeah, that one dude rules over all this. And like, he hatched this plan to make that happen. Like over the course of decades, like it's, it's so insane. And so, yeah, then when it comes to like, wait, how could Palpatine be in episode nine? It's almost like, Oh, how could he not be in episode nine? Yeah, no, I think for sure, and and we we might we may have mentioned this on the last uh, show about Palpatine, but I think it's like, it's it's one of those things where it's like I'm I'm there in Chicago, you know, in the convention center, and and I'm I'm seeing that trailer for the first time, and I'm hearing that laugh, and I'm just I can't believe this. It's crazy. It's so out of oh my god. I never you know, and then like you just give it a little time, and you say. It's it makes more sense than anything in the world. I mean, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Like nothing makes more sense than Palpatine actually being 
it, it's so it, everything about like him trying to control everything even after death it's so mm-hmm. is what defines that character palpatine's machinations and, and attempts to control things are what define this entire saga and you know like in 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 you know return uh, revenge of the sith he's talking about you know cheating death and yeah, it just it it makes so much sense. I mean, maybe if you look just in the context of the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy, and you discount the prequels, maybe not as much. But once you bring the prequels into it, it's so logical. It makes so much sense, and it's just like it just feels so much like the right thing to do to wrap up this nine part mm-hmm. you know series. Um, but I didn't, you know, I mean, I mean, like actually, it's funny because I don't think you were in Chicago yet, but we were like driving around in Oak Park you know, going to get food or do whatever on either the Wednesday or the Thursday night when we first got to Celebration. And I've probably shared this story on the podcast already, but uh, it was me and Dan and Chris, I think. And we were talking, I don't know if you were there or not, Ryan. I don't think so. We were talking about like, you know, crazy theories and like what might happen and, in, 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 you know, what we might find out about episode nine or whatever. And just the concept of Palpatine came up and it was like, you know, I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not putting, you know, I'm not saying I think it's likely, but it wouldn't be the craziest <laughs> thing in the world if, if Palpatine was in this movie and it was either Chris or Dan or maybe both of them. I don't remember, but we're like, dude, come on, that's crazy. You know, like you're way out in, yeah. you know, like wild theory territory. <laughs> and it was like, well, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, but you know, he was trying to avoid death and he yeah. wanted you guys kind of like the thing and the prequels and, and then it's like we we saw it the next day, and it was like no way. But again, it's just when you think about it, you know. And and I wasn't thinking, like I said, I wasn't thinking it was super likely. Yeah. But it's just like all the seeds are there. I mean, all the evidence is there. And like once you put all those, because I'm not like Palpatine, you know what I mean. I can't see all these yeah. things from ten years ahead of time. I can't put all the pieces together like that. Um, but once you know they're kind of laid out for us, it's just like it makes so much sense. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um yeah and then you know there's something real quick ryan that you said too that i thought was so interesting which is like you know that was anakin's downfall uh, is is wanting to control things and we know that you know we know that like his downfall was wanting to control what happened with padme and and like not being able to accept that you know um things might not you know go the way that he wanted them to and yoda takes a lot of heat from people i hear people always talking about like and I've probably said it myself, but Yoda takes a lot of heat, I feel like, from when Anakin comes to see him in Revenge of the Sith. And is like, hey, what do I do, Yoda? Because I'm scared I might lose somebody I love. And Yoda's just like, yeah, well, you just got to train yourself not to care about that. Mm-hmm. you know. And people are like, that is so dumb. You turned him to the dark side, Yoda. Like, that's <laughs> the worst advice ever. And it's like, it, it's, it's not very artfully uh, uh, communicated to Anakin. But at the same time, like, it's really true in a lot of ways. It's like, you know, um, he if he could have just trained himself not to want to be in control of what happens, to be able to accept that, like, he's not the one who gets to decide if he loses that person mm-hmm. or not, then, you know, so much could have been avoided. And then it was really, though, what I was thinking is, like, when you, when you pointed that out about, um, you know, that being Anakin's downfall, and, you know, again, like, we know that. But just to hear it phrased that way, it's when you think about like Luke in that moment and like bringing that back to the look on Palpatine's face, like the shock or the anger at the idea that like I didn't get to control the outcome of this situation. Mm-hmm. It's like Anakin's downfall was insisting on trying to control things and, and shape things the way he wanted them to be. And then Luke's sort of redeeming quality or Luke's, you know, greatest heroic quality was was the idea that he was willing 
to say, I can't control it. You know what I mean? Like to be passive, to throw the lightsaber down and say, I can't make you do what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't make my father do what he wants to do. (laughs) But what I can say is that like, I won't, you know, contribute to this or whatever. Um, And, you know, we're not going to get into the last Jedi now, but then when people say it's not my Luke Skywalker, it's like, it so is your Luke Skywalker. (laughs) It really is. It couldn't more perfectly be your Luke Skywalker, but you just don't know who your Luke Skywalker is. I feel like. So, yeah. um, Also, like, I think like I want to, you know, sit with this for a minute because, you know, I think, like, people take, and you were just literally referring to this, people take a lot of different things out of Star Wars, and they get a lot of different things out of it. You get, like, I got way different things out of it when I was a kid, and when I was a middle schooler, and when I was a high schooler, than I do now in my mid-30s. And, um, you know, my you know, my appreciation of the films has, like, changed over the years. Um, Like, there's so much stuff that, which is, again, like, why there are, like, 80,000 Star Wars podcasts, because, like, this really dumb space laser swords thing, like, actually, I don't know if it's, like, if it's even there at this point, but, like, we just keep finding subtext and thematic elements, and, like, it just keeps building, and, like, I don't know, like, I I still, like, honestly think that this, like, Star Wars is going to go down as our generation's, like, Beowulf, um, as far as, like, this is our, like, this is our story from, like, this you know, like, these centuries. Um, but anyway, I think, like, exploring this concept of control is, like, it's, like, it's one of those, like, crazy George teaching us moments where we're, like, oh, there's that guy in his sneakers and his flannels again. (laughs) Crazy George making weird aliens. But, like, he's actually teaching, like, one of, like, the strongest themes that have, like, ever been committed to film or, like, like, an art medium in general. Whereas, like, this idea of, like, control being a downfall, like, it's, you know, it's not the first time this has been explored in art, but the way it's presented especially in the prequels of like and then like you think of the real world applications like how many people ruin relationships because of control issues how many people like end up doing horrible things and you know lose their jobs or in jail because of fear of like losing their job and you know it like it's so and like power like i mean we are like i mean we're in the midst in um in america like having this like giant legal discussion of 
about in these legal proceedings about like how people gain power and what means they go to to get it and how they maintain that power and you know a lot of people who were really thirsty for power a few years ago are now like in jail because of that and because of like the stuff they did and like trying to like control and hold on to that and like when like yeah like you can get there like you can you can hold it for like a period of time by doing like all these awful things but like you you can't forever and like and that's and like there's going to be consequences to that and like all of the sacrifices that Anakin made in you know episode two and episode three to like have that control have that power and then like you know he ends like this broken half man like at the end of it like oh it's so powerful it absolutely is yeah and i mean that's that's the thing about star wars is like i feel um like there's so many great popcorn movies and action movies and you know epic movies and stuff like that um you know over the last couple decades or whatever but i don't i don't know i feel like star wars is is pretty unique in terms of you know, like you said, Ryan, how y- your interpretation of them and your understanding of them and like the way you react to them and stuff has changed so much over the years and how you keep coming back to them or not you, mm-hmm. but like we all keep coming back to them and finding new things and stuff. And it's like, I don't know if that's true of most movies like this. I feel like it's not, you know, and I feel like that that there's, I don't even know if it's intentional necessarily in, in it, well, I guess it is, but it's just like it, it, it all these elements have come together in a way that creates this really rich and interesting story and um if it was like you know you just understood it um as much as you were ever going to understand it after the first viewing when you walked out of the theater uh it would be something temporary you know but i think it you know clearly star wars has proven to be something that's very mm-hmm. lasting uh as far as our culture goes um and and i think it's because it's rich enough it's deep enough and and because uh you know george created it with some of these big ideas in mind um that and because and and like like you said because he chose to go back and expand upon these mythos um with the prequels as well because there's a great story there in the original trilogy and it is rich and there is a lot that we can you know kind of continue to dig into just in the original trilogy alone um but without the prequels there's a lot less in the original trilogy, I mm-hmm. think. And without the sequels, I think eventually too, we're going to say the same thing, you know? So like all of it together, it continues to expand. But even from the beginning, it was built, uh, you know, on this foundation of, you know, um, uh, being didactic and sort of like, you know, teaching these larger lessons and sort of being a fairy tale, like a modern fairy tale. Um, but, you know, again, there's 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 this complexity to it where, um, we can continue to kind of, you know, analyze it and, and look at, you know, the way the story is being told and, and the way certain ideas are are being um, seeded and then developed and expanded and all that. That, that really makes it something um, unique. Yeah. I think. And I think so. like the, you know, you know, George set this like insanely high bar with the original trilogy and the pre- eventually the prequels of like being so rich in themes that like (laughs) 
Like, it's crazy. Like, Star Wars is, like, this, like, this present that we, we got, like, you know, 20 years ago, 40 years ago. And, like, it just, like, it keeps open like opening like there's then we like find these other like little presents inside the presents like as we get older and we're like oh i didn't know how to unwrap this bow before but now like oh here's this other present that has come with like all my life experiences and all the other entertainment i've consumed and like the people i've known and you know all this stuff and it's so wonderful and i think like the the people who get that and experience Star Wars in that same way, I think those are the people that, like, you know, like, Kathleen Kennedy and, like, the higher-ups at Lucasfilm, like, they have a really good eye for the people who get it. And that's why I think, like, our new canon for like books and everything has to me it's felt a lot more overall like consistently like rich and satisfying and the fact that they're you know going back to these authors like you know like Claudia Gray and who like really just like understand it on like the same sort of frequency as George and you know and I think like Ryan Johnson is another one and JJ and like and you know like we're getting we're getting like the the laser swords but we're also getting like these these themes that you know give us new new areas to unpack but also like expand on George's vision and like give us new angles to look at what George created. I mean, it's the most important thing that there is for Star Wars storytelling in the future of Star Wars that, you know, Kathleen Kennedy, um, JJ Abrams, Ryan Johnson, um, you know, Kiri Hart, uh, all, all the people at Lucasfilm, Dave Filoni, um, you know, Carrie Beck, all the people at Lucasfilm that are kind of, um, you know, very involved in the direction of Star Wars, et cetera. It's, it's the most important thing there is that they, um, that they understand, you know, uh, the importance um, of, of getting it right and that they have that reverence for um, the kind of storytelling that will resonate, you know, over time, that, that, that that's critical to them. And even to Disney, I mean, like, so many it's it's weird because like i was just reading uh i've been reading the han solo icons a star wars icons han solo book which is really great um and i recommend it's really good but uh anytime i read about you know the making of star wars in 75 and 76 it's just like there are so many things that could have Mm -hmm. not panned out or worked out and we wouldn't be sitting here talking about this right now and it, it wouldn't have made the impact it did and it wouldn't have been as good as it was. Um, and, and there's just so many different ways it could go wrong. And now I'm like looking at this current era of Star Wars tel- storytelling and it's like, well, if Kathleen Kennedy wasn't in charge and, you know, wasn't the genius that mm-hmm. she is, like this could have gone really bad. Um, if the company that George sold Lucasfilm to didn't have the restraint and the 
ability to kind of let Lucasfilm be Lucasfilm and and to kind of let Star Wars um, to to place importance on it in a way that that they have then things could have gone really wrong and you know they're they're not perfect and and they're a big corporation mm-hmm. and whatever i mean they they rushed solo i think um i think they kind of rushed the i mean it, it worked out cuz it's amazing but i think they almost like they hmm. they pushed force awakens back 6 months but even that i feel like it they was, were rushing it was it. pretty and hot and out of like, the okay, oven well, i guess we can't have it by may i guess we can't have it by may like we wanted to but we're going to have it by december rather than sort of like allowing the movie to come out when it needed to come out, you yeah. know, when it could have come out or whatever. But um, but overall, I just feel like they they could be doing a lot more to, like, drive this thing into the ground, and they could be uh, they could be taking fewer risks in terms of storytelling. And I think they understand, like, no, it has to be meaningful. It can't just be a cool mm-hmm. movie, you know. It can't be Jurassic World. And, that's like, Jurassic World's fine. I You know, yeah. it's not a bad movie. It's cool. It's exciting. Like, I went to see it, and it was like, this is the thrilling dinosaur movie kind of like jurassic park you know but that's it, it uh-huh. doesn't resonate with me it, it, it's not sticking with me you know what i mean and it would have been so easy to misunderstand what star wars is and you know produce movies that don't resonate but are perfectly fine movies but that's not good mm-hmm. enough you know what i mean and uh boy are we uh have we done the thing where we kind of get off <laughs> yeah off on a tangent but but it is all really, I mean, but it is all related to Palpatine because Palpatine is in so many ways, like in the same way that like Luke um, and, and Anakin and now Ray are like the core of this story. Like Palpatine is, is the core of this as well. It, it's because he's such a rich and complex, um, you know, villain. And because we're, we're still finding out now in 2019 uh, all the ways in which he's been kind of controlling all of this and all the ways in which like this is continuing to develop that um, you know the Star Wars is what it is so Why don't we jump in, Ryan, to talking about Palpatine in the sequels and how we think that's going to go, which we're, you know, close to an hour in, and that's probably the, the bigger of the two discussions we're going to yeah. have tonight, but uh, why don't we jump into that? So uh, the first thing that you put down in the notes again, Ryan, you say you didn't contribute, but here we are looking at mm-hmm. the, the link that you placed here um, into Palpatine's contingency plan, which I have to be honest with you, I find it kind of confusing um, a little bit. But uh, but very interesting still. Uh-huh. So and and this is something that nobody would know about this if if they haven't read the comics and, and read the books, especially aftermath and stuff like that. Um, if you go see the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi in the movie theater, you really have no idea that Palpatine had a contingency plan. I guess if you play Battlefront Two, um, it's definitely part of that story as well. But in terms of like the film mm-hmm. storytelling. This whole contingency plan isn't really touched on at all. Maybe in novelizations, but again, if you're watching the movies and those are like the text, like primary text or whatever, uh, you don't even really know about this. Mm-hmm. But it, it's one of those things where to me it's like, okay, well, this is a, um, uh, a 
expanded universe or whatever, you know, kind of story element, but it's one that it doesn't feel, uh, how do I put this? It feels like it is supporting what's on the screen in a way that's very natural versus, um, you know, somebody's writing a book 15 years after Return of the Jedi came out and they're going to write about the kids that Han and Leia had. Uh, yeah, there's evidence that that might happen, but it's not really something that's directly supporting the storytelling in that movie. It's more like, what can I do with what's already happened? Uh, versus this contingency plan is, I think, a very logical and sort of well thought out uh, explanation of why things are the way they are in the movies. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think like it should also be noted for people like who don't dive into this stuff. Like, um, you know, there isn't like a book that is like Palpatine's plan that like you can just like go and That'd grab be a good and book, read. Though. Like <laughs> this was that I, you know, they probably could <laughs> create a like a thing and yeah. they probably will. Who knows um, how all this is going to play out. But like what's great about this the contingency is that it was just like it's just been lightly threaded in for like the last you know four five years like wait when did when did force yeah almost four years ago like yeah 2015 at the end of the year yeah 15 okay yeah so yeah like the last four years because this started this basically started um a few months before the force awakens came out and there were just these there were just things that were mentioned in the comics in the in the books like and it wasn't you know it wasn't the same author and there was never like a point where like it was like it wasn't like another like section like at the end of a book. It's like okay, well now we've told our main story. Here's Palpatine's plan, part seven. Like it, it was just the, like these little things, and like it was done so well that you never really noticed it. Like, and I, I don't think we ever had a conversation like on the show or in text or anything about this stuff until the episode nine trailer. Am I mistaken on that? Um, I don't know. I mean, we, we might've talked about it a little bit when we were talking about battlefront two, I would think, cause it's project cinder is what it's called. Right. Or at least that's part of it. Um, we yeah. might've talked about it a little bit, but yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's like, especially after hearing his, his laugh at the end of the episode nine trailer. Um, but even before that, it's, it is really integral to the storytelling of the sequel era, you know, cause it is why we have a first mm-hmm. order and how that makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's not something yeah. that really, yeah, that we talked about much at all, or that was, I wouldn't say it's in the forefront of the consciousness of the storytelling, but I like that. And I think it's smart. And I think it's the same thing they're doing with Snoke mm-hmm. and even with Kylo Ren to a certain extent is to say, we're not going to fill in all these blanks until, if ever, until the movies are are done. The, this, the, mm-hmm. Those three movies are done because we don't want to back those filmmakers into a corner um, unnecessarily. So we've learned enough about this plan that it's like, okay, well, 
you know, why is there a first order? How is there a first order? Well, it makes sense. And, you know, it has to come from the empire. So how does it come from the empire? And, you know, the whole contingency plan and operation center and all that, it, it works really well to tell that story. But at the same time, uh, don't tell more than you have to because it could change. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like, I don't, I don't think we need to like read through and explain what all this stuff is because like it would basically to just like go through it. It's just like a list of things that you can find on Wikipedia. Just look for contingency and operation sender. But like, if you really want to kind of explore this stuff in like a natural way, which I think is like kind of the better way to approach it. Um, is I would say Chuck Wendig's Aftermath Trilogy, um, Greg Rucka's four-issue Shattered Empire comic series for Marvel, um, and then, as you mentioned, Battlefront 2, um, if you play through the story mode of that game, um... And then what else? The um, a lot of Charles Soule's uh, Marvel work, and like this is where it gets really easy um, because uh, Charles Soule is a genius, and he, um, you know, he wrote the Poe Dameron series, um, which I think he's like best known for within Star Wars. But you know, guess what? Like none of this stuff is in there. It's in his five issue Lando series, which I had, I just reread because I did not even catch any of this the first time I read it, because that's not what you're looking for when you're reading a Lando Calrissian series. Um, and then it comes in, um, it, it comes in a bit more in, um, his Darth Vader, run after Kieran Gillen's run finished. Um, his, uh, Charles Soule's, uh, Darth Vader run jumped time periods to, um, like the dark times between episode three and episode four. And th- like the, some of the stuff that he did in there, like there's a lot of people saying like, Oh, maybe this is how the emperor returns in, episode nine so um i would highly recommend that stuff and um i don't know like i think a lot of it is like you know it's it's kind of like exposition and plot and like giving you some things to think about but it definitely doesn't like fully explore or confirm anything um but, like, I don't know. I think it definitely, um, there's definitely some big ideas in well, all of this. And it could inform what happens in Episode 9, or it could not. Yeah, maybe not. But what I love about um, this whole thing, and and it's more of, like, a uh, an aesthetic thing or, like, a feeling, a vibe, sort of, I guess you'd say. But it's, like, it's all kind of creepy, you know? And it has this sort of, mm-hmm. like... Like I was saying in Return of the Jedi, I feel like you really get like this like evil magic type feeling um, from 
the emperor in that movie. And I think, you know, uh, you're really getting that with all the stuff that you're sort of describing and like even in, in simple ways or subtle ways, but like for instance, um, you know, part of the whole, you know, contingency thing is like, well, we're going to make it look like the empire is defeated, but really our best and our brightest are going to be hiding in the unknown regions. And we will be sort of developing a new empire, you know, a first order out of that, but we're going to do it in the shadows and, and where nobody can see that it's happening. And so we're playing the long game. And how Palpatine is that to play the long game, you know, to kind of like, Mm -hmm. you know, present one thing. Oh, the Empire's dead um, when, in fact, it was Mm -hmm. all part of the plan and it's something else going on, um, you know, elsewhere. And so like but but the fact that it's like, oh, well, they're hiding in the unknown regions like that's creepy. The unknown regions are creepy, you know. Um, Yeah. Also, to add to that creepiness, they are going around the galaxy, kidnapping children in taking them to the unknown regions to raise as soldiers. Yeah, that's really creepy. It's not like the fun creepy, like, you know, the unknown regions, but it is creepy. It's unsettling. Um, it's evil, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, so that's part of it. Um, and then also, you know, some of the stuff you're talking about, like in the comics and even in uh, the Aftermath books with like the Acolytes. Is it the Acolytes of the Beyond? Is that what mm-hmm. it's called? Of the what now? The uh, Beyond? Yeah, the people who are like obsessed with like Sith yeah. artifacts. And but stuff. is it the acolytes of the Beyond? Oh, I don't remember what their name is. I feel like it is, but maybe, maybe. I made that up. But that's, like, that's fine. how how yeah. pregnant is that word? That might have just been like the cult you were in in high school. Could have been that too. But like, um, <laughs> I can make a comment now, but I won't about the cult I was in in high school. But uh, anyway, um, no, 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 no. Wait, uh, were you cross current? Like I, I, no, I didn't. I wasn't in that. Um, okay. I, I, like the beyond, though. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like, oof, man. If that's what it's actually called, and I'm not misremembering that, like how how pregnant yeah. is that? How much of a of a, a hint or a clue is that? You know. Um, but the fact that they're going around getting these artifacts, and that these artifacts, like, there's comics where there's holocrons that you know contain like the spirit of some Sith or whatever. I mean, there's just yeah. there's just so much stuff where it's like these creepy little like dark magic type things that have been threaded through a lot of the storytelling in, in subtle ways maybe. But you know, if it does come to pass that in episode nine, you know, Palpatine's back in a way that, that is, you know, some kind of dark and evil magic or whatever, then all that stuff is going to be like, Oh yeah, they've been kind of hinting at this or, or pointing us in this direction all along, but in simple and subtle ways. And I think that's so, so cool. Yeah, and I think that, like, that manifests huge on the animation side, too, which, like, there are literal witches with cauldrons and stuff happening over in Filoni's world. Um, And, like, you know, some of that was pre the Disney buyout, but, like, um, you know, like, that, I think that's where it was kind of established that, like, yeah, there's the Force and Force powers in Star Wars, but there's also, like, other things at play in certain parts of the galaxy. And when you, I mean, when you think about it, like, yes, this is a galaxy. And, like, you know, like, of of course there may be different, like, if the Force can exist... Like, there could be other spiritual elements that exist elsewhere. Um, but I, I just want to, like, end um, on this just saying that 
I really think all of like the dark magic and the Sith artifacts and all of that, I think it like, I don't, I, I mean, we haven't really seen anything past this, but like it all kind of like comes to a head. It peaks um, in like the last, probably like the last trade of Charles Soule's Darth Vader series which is like the um that's uh vader's uh vader building his castle and that's like i mean that's just where all of it comes to a head like um there's a lot of a lot of that happening there and it's great and insane (laughs) And I know, I know you haven't read that one yet, John. But like, I definitely, I definitely think you should give that run a go. Like the first time I read it, I was like, <laughs> like this. I thought it felt really weird, and like, it it took like months of reading the book. It was always kind of like at the bottom of my Star Wars comics pile. It's like, well. You know, I'm subscribed to this. I guess I'm going to read it. Like, I like Charles Soule. I like his work in everything. This feels weird for Star Wars. And I don't know. But then, like, at a certain point, I was just like, okay, I got this. Like, I get it. This is weird. This is not the Star Wars I grew up on. But, like... I'm kind of feeling this and then by the end I'm just like yeah I'm I'm in for this this ride and then I read the series again and the second time I like truly loved it. So, yeah, cool. that's that's a highly recommended one and it uh you know, it really gives um a there's it, it makes a lot of the Palpatine theories that you've maybe have seen around like see, very very probable hmm interesting okay uh that's a pretty strong sell that that definitely uh makes me makes me more interested in, in checking that out um you know charles soul is great uh so uh, i would be interested anyway but uh but yeah i should you know if if you think there's some good episode nine kind of potential you know support and stuff in there then then that's pretty uh that's pretty enticing I I guarantee that like it's it's not an accident that that story exists like whether it's a red herring yeah I don't know but mm. like there's no possible way that like this story was written without like with and then like you know episode 9 <laughs> teaser comes out and it's like oh well what a coincidence yeah, <laughs> like right uh yeah there's there's a plan huh. yeah it, you know it, it, it's really interesting too because if episode nine comes out and this like dark magic you know kind of stuff is is a an important part of the the plot in the movie um it may make me a little more uh open-minded i guess to some of the stuff like like i don't know if i really loved all the mother tales and stuff and the clone wars and all that you know i, I don't think it felt very star wars um necessarily mm-hmm. but as the, it starts to become more a part of it and um 
you know, if it's featured in episode nine in, in a significant way, then maybe I will be more open to that. But I think too, what's interesting about it is that uh, for me anyway, there's, I'm, I'm open to certain things in the way they're presented in movies, but then like sometimes in comics or TV shows or whatever, they're presented in, in a little more like concrete or a little more obvious ways. And then I'm like less into it. So for instance, I'm thinking of like the, um, the, the wills in the Yoda episode and in the lost missions of clone wars or whatever it's called. And I'm like, ah, I hate that because you're like showing me something that in a movie would be kind of like hinted at. And like, I'm good with it being sort of hinted at, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with the world between worlds in, in star Wars rebels, like the conceptually it's interesting, but like when I actually see a character walking around on a space highway, it's like a little too much for me. You know what I mean? So, um, how's that going to play out in episode nine? How's that going to play out with this Palpatine thing? Like, are we going to see like a Palpatine ghost floating around or like, how are they going to, cause some of these ideas are pretty heady. You know what I mean? Like some of this stuff is pretty high concept and pretty, um, I don't know. It's out there, you know? And in, in, I love it. But I, I wonder if part of the reason I love it so much right now is because of how mysterious it is. And then, like, mm-hmm. when it's turned into some, like, rotoscoped, green-screened, like, actual, like, effect I'm seeing on screen, like, is it still going to be cool? Or is, like, all the mystery going to be kind of, like, sucked out of it at that point? Um, so, I don't know. That's a rhetorical question, I guess. But it's just something yeah. I can, you know, I think about, like, with this sort of thing. is like, almost like less is more, you know? Um, so I wonder what that'll be like because it's the intrigue of it. And, and actually the, the next thing I wanted to talk about is maybe the connection between Snoke and Palpatine. And I think that's a great example of that whole thing. Snoke is, he started out for me in the force awakens as being boring and bland and uninteresting. And then, um, with the way Ryan Johnson wrote him and the way he was handled in the last Jedi, I think he became much, much more interesting to me. And now I, I really like Snoke even though he was my one disappointment after The Force Awakens. Uh, now I really like Snoke, but it's because they've told me almost nothing about him, you know? I feel like that's why I like him. I feel like that's a huge part of what makes him really interesting is all the intrigue and mystery surrounding him. Um, and I don't know that he will become a better character or that I will like him more the more they tell me about him. Um, but in terms of like that backstory as far as Snoke is concerned... I wonder how much of it has to do with Palpatine. And I wonder if, I kind of doubt the movie, you know, The Rise of Skywalker, episode nine, will give us much about that relationship. But I kind of wonder what we might learn about that relationship, um, you know, maybe post The Rise of Skywalker. Because as I'm putting these notes together and, you know, thinking about this stuff, it's like, well, how are they connected? Like, what do we think is the connection there? Did Snoke kind of come up through the ranks of the First Order sort of independently of Palpatine because Palpatine was already dead, etc. Or could Snoke have been some kind of protege of Palpatine's, like another Dooku or whatever? Mm-hmm. You think yes? Uh, I mean, so I'm, like, stepping back a little bit, I'm, like, pretty much exactly where you were um, with like, I mean, I loved Force Awakens. I adored it. I still do. Um, you know, my three complaints about that movie were were the, like, cringy, obvious callbacks, which 
um, were jarring the first time I saw them in the theater, and then, like, they just became part of the script as it went on, and, like, I'm pretty okay with them now. Um, Starkiller Base as another Death Star, which, uh, like, I'm pretty, like, I don't know. Actually, I think, like, resistance is kind of what helped me like reconcile that in a weird way and like see it as its own entity by seeing it through another lens um whereas like the first time i saw force awakens i'm like they're doing a third death star (laughs) like um but yeah it's it's really cool in resistance and i just want to say real quick that like yeah uh intellectually like i'm right there with you but then, like, I will say, like, for me, honestly, watching The Force Awakens, it never bothers me. Like, mm-hmm. it's like if I write it down on paper, it's like, yeah, that's dumb. There shouldn't be a third Death Star. But, like, once yeah. I'm into the movie and I'm, like, going along for it or whatever, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like, I just, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Which is kind of, you know, sort of the same thing in, in Return of the Jedi, too. It's it's sort of stupid yeah. that there's a second Death Star. You know what I mean? I mean, a third <laughs> yeah. is adding insult to injury, but really the second one's pretty stupid, too, you know? Yeah. So, but anyway, like, sorry. The- yeah. And I mean, like, shout out to all the lives lost on uh, Starkiller Base f- when uh, it was destroyed. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, because there had to be construction workers and like people uh-huh, in the kitchen, yeah. and I forget what they say in clerks, but yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, I, you know, I feel for them because like they were they're again they're child soldiers, like taken from their families and like programmed. So I do have like this. I don't want to like make this another clerks like rambling but like okay shout out to the li- lives lost there wait i thought you were uh, actually joking when you were saying all this but i mean no because it's true I, but yeah we should take that scene from clerks and just rewrite it about oh, the God. first order no That'd we shouldn't no we should never do that <laughs> um but like star killer base does give us like the best line ever in any movie ever like um because like this whole plot contrivance where like the star killer base needs sunlight to power up this like laser to like blow up the government and like the part where like they're on this like timer um which is like you know it's just like the orbiting of the death star you know, around the rebel rebel base, like, oh, it's almost in position. Like, we have this, like, arbitrary timer here. Um, but the fact that it's, like, once the um, Starkiller base gets enough light, it will be ready to fire. And, like, that means it sucked out the light from the sun completely. But then you have, like, Poe Dameron regular dude riding in here on his spaceship ready to blow stuff up and is like as long as there's light we got this <laughs> and like it's so perfect yeah as like, long as there's uh, light we still have a chance or something like that he yeah, says i think right yeah. yeah it's i mean like i will take that like kind of lame plot point if all if all of it was just like built around Oscar Isaac saying that one killer line, like it's worth it to me. It is a killer line, especially when you think about the fact that really it's about Ray, but we didn't even know that at the time necessarily. But now that we think about it, he's talking about Ray. Like JJ oh, yeah. knew that. Lawrence Kasdan knew that. You know what I mean? 
Uh, you think much. I'm kidding and I'm not. I'm serious. No, I'm not either. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm trying to get my breath back so I can <laughs> finally get to the point that um, I was trying to make. That those were my two, two of my three issues with um, The Force Awakens. And I think your third, third has to do with Snoke. Yeah. Okay. The third <laughs> was the idea of Snoke as, like, a poor man's Palpatine. Like... Oh, here's this like scary hologram man, and uh, yeah, like okay, he's pulling the strings of Kylo Ren in the same way that like the Emperor pulled the strings of Darth Vader, like that's lame. But then Episode Eight comes along, and it's like actually no, no, it's fantastic in two ways because number one, yeah, you watch The Force Awakens and you're like, yeah, like it's a bootleg emperor. It's like mm-hmm. a less scary, less interesting, less unique, you know, less well put together bootleg Emperor Palpatine. And then you see episode eight and it's like, actually, old boy just cuts him in half halfway through the movie and you're shocked and it's awesome. <laughs> Plus yep. he brings a lot more, Snoke himself brings a lot more kind of unique character to it in episode eight where he's much more interesting in that movie, mm-hmm. making fun of Darth uh, Kylo Ren, calling him a child in a mask and all that stuff. It's like so good wearing gold slippers. I mean, it's fantastic, yeah. but really it's like when you hear that laugh in the trailer for the rise of Skywalker, that it's like, it comes full circle and you're like, Oh, mm-hmm. it's actually brilliant. Um, it's actually brilliant because yeah, you know what? He, he did seem like a bootleg, you know, Palpatine, you know why? Cause he was because Palpatine <laughs> yep. was, Palpatine was like in control all this time or if not in control it's like you know he was Snoke never was the big bad because Palpatine has always been the big bad and still is the big bad and that's so perfect it's such a masterful mm-hmm. like yep and the fact that we sat here and when I say we I mean Star Wars fans but I also mean we specifically us sat here since 2015 talking into microphones about Star Wars and like, oh my God, we're overanalyzing these movies like nonstop for four years straight, like which we love to do and really never were like, but really it's all Palpatine. We, like we know that, right? Like uh-huh. we, we sat here and we <laughs> dug in and we analyzed <laughs> and we overanalyzed and we tried to sound smart and all this stuff mm-hmm. for years. And guess what? Like it was we Palpatine. We played ourselves. It, <laughs> totally. And it's so good. It is so good. Yeah. And I keep trying to tell people, like friends of mine that don't like The Last Jedi, I'm like, wait till this whole thing's over and I bet you'll look back at some of the stuff from The Last Jedi and be like, yeah. actually, it's great. And this is a yeah. this is like such a good example of The Force Awakens. Like, I left that movie being like, Snoke sucks. And now in 2019, I'm like, Snoke is so good. And it's, mm-hmm. but it's because there were pieces that I wasn't able to put together and that hadn't been revealed yet. And and guess what? They relate to Palpatine, as they usually do. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I definitely, like, kind of classify myself as, like, a smart idiot. Like, I, I recognize when, like, I feel like I have a good nose for, like, when something's good. And, like, when there's, like, something there. And... But, like, I can't always, like, articulate why or, like, un fully understand it so like i left the last jedi and i was like man that was amazing and like the reasons i thought it were was amazing was because like there was like really fantastic cinematography on display of course um and some great character moments but like the main thing like my main takeaway was from that was like 
whoa, everything I thought was going to happen in this, like, sequel trilogy, that's not going to happen anymore. I have no idea where we're at with all this. Like, I'm going to leave it to the people smarter than me to, you know, finish this off. Like, I don't envy that that task because I... I don't know how to end this story at this point. Like, there's no way that, like, I could end the Skywalker saga in a way that was satisfying to me, let alone millions of other fans. Like, um, and it's like, well, that sucks for them. But, like, um, and, like, it, you know, it it kind of just lingered there. And, like, I've just, you know, for the past... um few months up until april i was like yeah i like i like the last jedi it subverted my expectations and like it got me really more excited about episode nine like i have no idea what to expect and that's really exciting for like you know a fan of star wars and then like we got to april we got to celebration and then that palpatine laugh happened and like that's just like well I should have known. <laughs> um, but, like, also, here I am, like, I had just started to, like, come up with these theories of, like, what was going to happen in episode nine and what I was expecting to see. And, nope, <laughs> that would have been bad. Like, these these people got it figured out. And I think, like, that's, you know, that's so cool. Like, that's what I want as you know someone consuming like any kind of entertainment like i want it to um you know like if i can if i can predict every line and every story beat then like that's that's not like doing anything for me like that's not that's not stretching me like that's not pushing me it's not like growing my appreciation of something what is what it's not is it's not Star Wars, I think, and and that's why um, you know a, a movie like The Last Jedi to me is so quintessentially Star Wars because it's like if I would have walked out of that movie um, being like, yeah, I know exactly you know what that was, and I know exactly I I didn't know how I felt about it the first night I, I you know came out of there, and I think that you know that's because it was a lot and it was challenging. As you said, you know, mm-hmm. it was challenging and it wasn't what I expected, uh, in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways it was, but in, in a lot of ways it wasn't. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I'm scared of the day that I come out of a big, you know, sort of saga level star Wars movie mm-hmm. and think just like, yep, that's exactly what I thought it would be. Um, you know, uh, straightforward, not a lot to really think about or, you know, to argue about or to kind mm-hmm. of, you know, dig into, like that would be a major disappointment to me. Um, you know, if I go see the, uh, the rise of Skywalker and it goes in directions I didn't expect it to go into and it does some stuff that I don't agree with even, um, mm-hmm. to me, that's a way better outcome than I go see that movie and I feel the way about it that I do about a lot of big blockbuster movies I go to, which is just like, yeah, you know, it kept my attention for two hours, but uh, I don't really ever need to think about it again, or I have no interest in really watching it again because it's just what I expected it to be. You know, Mm -hmm. that would be a nightmare, I feel like, for a Star Wars movie. Um, And so I can, you know, maybe for one of the first times, I guess I can kind of empathize a little more with the argument that The Force Awakens is... uh, 
you know, too similar to the original trilogy. I don't feel that way. I love that movie. I really enjoy it. And I do think it has um, some really intriguing um, ideas and it, and there's a lot of depth and emotion to it, you know, and it's, it's a beautiful movie, I think. Um, but if somebody left that movie feeling like it didn't challenge me and it was uh, very just kind of, I would never use this word to describe The Force Awakens, but if people felt like it was too generic or something, I could see where that's a big disappointment because I don't think Star Wars should be that, you know? And I think it rarely has been that as far as movies are concerned. Um, And so, uh, yeah, absolutely. I I think, you know, um, we need it to be be challenging. We need it to be, you know, kind of, uh, you know, not what we'd expect, as you said. Yeah, and... I guess to kind of, like, bring this all around back to, like, our topic, um, (laughs) which, like, it needs to be what we don't expect, but then it also needs to, like, make sense. Like, because there are, there are things in Star Wars and, um, you know, like, there's, there's stuff in, like, the animation specifically, there were, there was stuff back in, like, the old EU, um, where, like, it goes in a, in a place, like, I didn't expect, but I don't think, like, I don't always know if, like, Star Wars is better for it. Or if, like, my experience with Star Wars is better for it. So, like, I think about, like, some of the things that are still controversial in mind. And, like, they're... And it may just be because, like, I don't have the whole story yet. But, like, something that we've talked about a lot of times on this show that, like, I don't think either of us are totally sold on is, like, the world between worlds in Rebels. Like, that's... That's something, like, I'm still not 100% sold on. Um, There's other stuff that's, like, way out there that, like, I've kind of come around to in, like, the years. Like, um, like the Mortis stuff. Like, that's actually, like, the the most recent time I watched that. Um, You know, it, I was like, yeah, I kind of get this. Like, this, this kind of works. I like this perspective on this, like... Um, you know, theological concept within Star Wars. Um, but I think with um, with Palpatine coming back, like, I, I mean, I, I feel like the general feeling, at least, like, it's hard to say because that was such, like, a moment in time. Like, those, uh, especially that first night kind of, um, you know, like, like, taking in that, like, knowledge that, like, this is a thing that's, this is happening whether you like it or not, like, where, you know, this isn't just someone's theory that they, you know, posted it on Reddit or something, like, this is, this is what's happening, like, Palpatine is in some way a part of this, and I think, like, our first impulse was to, like, go to like the how and i think that was like that uh that first night of 
you know, discussions of Sith artifacts and clones and ev- everything. Shout out to clones. Um, but, you know, like all that is like the how of it. But like, really, I don't know. But there's also just that part that's just that feeling of like, yeah, like this, you know, this makes sense. Like, and then, you know, you you kind of, like, build on that feeling by being, like, here's the, here's rationale, here's evidence to, like, why this makes sense. Um, and then, like, it, you know, it becomes more solidified, I guess, for yourself and maybe for others around you if you, like, convince them on it. But, like, I don't know, like, for me, like... Palpatine just, like, is. Like, Palpatine in the sequel trilogy just is. Like, that's... Like, you know, that's just the natural conclusion to all of this. And I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I think you're right. I think um, now that we heard his laugh in the trailer and now that we know he's involved in some way, um, it feels like if he weren't, it would be, like, an injustice it would be wrong yeah. like how could you wrap it up without him you know um in the same way that i don't know for sure that anakin will be involved in any concrete way in in the rise of skywalker but i think it's much more likely than not um and it's one of those things where it's like well we've kind of always had force ghosts so you know you can kind of there you go like force ghosts whatever um and and so it's a little more expected with like anakin or yoda like when yoda showed up in in you know, the last Jedi, Mm -hmm. um, I'd heard some rumors. I knew that, you know, Frank Oz had been on the set or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I kind of expected it, but uh, still, you know, my wife was sitting next to me and like Luke was walking up that hill or whatever. And just like, even right before, I can't remember if it was the music or what it was, but like before you even saw like the corner of the ear or whatever it was (laughs) that you first see, I was like, I think it's going to happen now. I remember telling her like, I think he's about to, I think it's going to be Yoda, you know? And it was, um, and it was partially because of like the vibes the movie was giving me and partially, yeah. like I said, because I'd heard rumors and stuff. But um, yeah, with all those characters and all that kind of thing, it's like, well, you kind of half expect it or whatever. But I didn't with Palpatine. But now it's like, how could they not? They have to. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just it, it, it's so good. It, yeah. Um, and, you, and, you know, you just said, Ryan, like, you know, the how is not so important. Although that being said, I did kind of want to wrap up the show mm-hmm. with. Uh, guesses about how but one more question before we get to that Um, what do you think uh, Palpatine's involvement with the Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren situation is do you have any thoughts about that because um, you know we say like oh well Palpatine's really super critical to the saga and it's like really important you know now that we know he's going to be in there it's like of course you know he has to be it's so important that he is Um, but boy I mean if anybody's story is integral and important to the rise of Skywalker, I think it's Kylo Ren's, you know? Um, and so I wonder like, what is the link between those two characters? Is there a link? Um, like, do you buy into the idea that perhaps it was Palpatine all along who was twisting Ben's heart or who was like when, when Ben or Kylo Ren or whatever is like talking to thinks he's talking to Vader's helmet, you know, is, is Palpatine involved in that in some way? Um, I don't know. What do you think? Well, like I said earlier, like I'm, 
I'm a smart idiot and I can get like halfway to any conclusion, but I always need someone uh-huh. to like kind of take me home on that. Um, so I think, you know, we talked about like, um, like I think you put it really well when you were talking about like how hurtful it was for Vader to be cast aside in favor of like the newer model which was Luke and then you know that obviously didn't pan out so you know like if you know if he wants that uh that Skywalker blood um the next like obvious pick would be Kylo Ren um who, you know, has that same kind of, like, innate, natural ability as Anakin and Luke, um, also has, like, you know, like, the same sort of, like, fire and, like, drive as them, and, like, the willingness to kind of pursue um the more spiritual sides of things because you know as we know like it this you know this whole time it could have been leia you know for all of this and uh you know and like palpatine like also teased that like (laughs) you know um as well but like we've also known that like Leia's heart was never really into developing her, like, force abilities. Like, she, you know, she had them to a degree. and But, like, she, you know, she grew up in, like, a household of politicians. And, you know, and I think, like, that's an area that's, like, super well explored in, you know, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, and bloodline like that is her passion and her like like the the senate is her dagobah (laughs) like um that's you know that's her thing so like i mean the only other obvious pick for palpatine would be kylo ren and then we get into the challenges of the how like you know he's the emperor is you know dead he's dead by the time kylo ren is born so that's um you know that's one of those things where like i can't put those pieces together but like you know of course like if the if palpatine had a chance like of course he'd want to get at ben solo and we do know, um, you know, it was kind of established during um, The Last Jedi that it is possible to link people's minds, to plant uh, plant things in people's minds, plant seeds of ideas and seeds of relationships. Um, and I think, like, that's like that's a concept that I feel like has, you know, a lot of space to be explored in 
Star Wars, I don't know if it'll happen in Episode Nine, and it could be like an integral part, or it could be something like we see in novels down the road. Like, who knows? Um, but, yeah, I mean, absolutely the Emperor would want Ben Solo. And it's just the how that eludes me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think for sure the Emperor would want him. Um, as far as what I would want or what I kind of... And, and some of this is just stuff that I've been thinking about like in the last few minutes as we've been talking about this. But uh, I think I like the idea more that Snoke is truly is the one who you know, twisted Ben's heart, as Luke said, or whatever, you know, whatever it is, like, you know, um, tempted him to the dark side, just because it's like, well, if it was Palpatine, it's like, all right, so Palpatine, you know, kind of manipulated Anakin, and now, you know, what, 50 years later, he's manipulating, uh, or four, 30 years later, whatever it is, he's manipulating, no, it'd be more than that, whatever, is manipulating um, Kylo or Ben now, too. Um, I kind of like the idea that, like, Ben's mistake or Kylo's mistake echoes Anakin's mistake more than it's just like all the same guy manipulated both of them, you know? Um, Cause it's more of like a, a reflection or like an echo. I think mm-hmm. if it's, you know, two different parties versus uh, well, I got your granddad and now I'm getting you, you know what I mean? Um, so I like that. Like he almost fell into the same trap in some ways that his grandfather did, but without it being the same person who was doing that to him. Um, potentially i don't know i'm sure it could work either way or that you know they could do it and it would be really good i'm sure but just you know preferences i'm thinking kind of that and then the other thing that some of your comments sort of brought to mind for me ryan um is you know earlier we'd been talking about like well anakin's flaw like his tragic flaw or whatever is that he wanted to control everything so now like anakin has retained we think his identity in the force we see him as a force ghost in return of the jedi Mm -hmm. and it's like well, why wouldn't he have told Kylo, hey, don't make the same mistake I did. Hey, I was like you and I turned to the dark side and I shouldn't have. Hey, um, you know, Ray's right, join her, whatever. Like, why isn't Anakin doing those things? And like, how poetic is it? How beautiful is it if it's like, you know, wherever he is and whatever he is at this point in his existence is sort of like, no, I can't control this i need to Mm -hmm. not try to dictate the outcome of the situation i need to have faith in him i need to have faith in you know the force etc and i can't get involved you know what i mean i I, and and how how beautiful is that as an idea especially then if you think about luke in the last jedi and the fact that luke is like i can't get involved i can't try to control this when i do that it causes problems i need to let this go and have faith in these other people that they'll make the right choices. Like that's pretty legit stuff. That's pretty good. If that's kind of what they're doing with this and, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to sort of echo what you were saying, Ryan, it's not like, you know, uh, the smart idiot. It's like, I didn't come up with that, but I'm maybe thinking from looking at the stuff that they've put into place that like they did and I'm pretty into it, you know? Yeah. And I think to, like, your first point about um, maybe it being Snoke, um, who, you know, who really did mastermind um, the fall of Ben Solo, um, I think, like, that's another thing where, like, the idea that perhaps, um, you know, if Snoke was a protege of 
the emperor like <laughs> i don't know like maybe you know who knows i mean maybe the story is that um you know five years before like when the emperor was putting his contingency plans into place he was like hey we don't we don't know snoke's first name unfortunately hey uh i think it's robert isn't it sheev snoke (laughs) (laughs) um you know uh something you know i i see your ambition no 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 i got it here i looked it up it's frank it is frank yeah frank snoke um (laughs) (laughs) it's better if it's a weird lucas word though like sheev (laughs) well okay but i don't think lucas came up with sheev okay sheev never showed up anywhere until like two years ago no well i don't know I, yeah. I want I want a, I want an etymology of like Star Wars words. Like that is a book that should exist. Um but anyways, so like if Emperor's talking to Frank Snoke uh over a couple cold ones, he's like, "Oh man, I'm about to like get this Skywalker kid cuz this other Skywalker like he's a he's like a rusted bucket of bolts over here like he's barely doing anything at this point like i'm gonna get this like young skywalker like hey frank you gotta get you one of those skywalkers like if you're gonna continue my legacy (laughs) and so he manipulates snoke into thinking snoke wants to get a skywalker even though it's really like just him wanting another skywalker like overall (laughs) i don't know i don't know man yeah i like that Uh, no i like that like Okay. I like that, or I like just the idea that like Snoke learned everything from Palpatine, and so like almost inadvertently is doing what Palpatine would yeah. do, and then Palpatine is able to take advantage of that, you know. But there's got to be something to like. This is the Skywalker saga, the mighty Skywalker blood. Like Snoke has to be like rolling into it, knowing like, oh man, this is the kid. Like. Th- I don't. Oh, I don't oh, think it's 100%, like an independent 100%. of Palpatine. Oh. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I was gonna make a a point to your second point, but I now I don't remember what your second point was. Anakin like learning oh. in the afterlife that he can't control things. Yes. So if Anakin's whole thing was like control, control of systems, control of you know everything like just like you know tight gripped control it almost seems like ben solo is rolling in like destruction of these systems like destruction of dogma destruction of you know everything like these these two sides of the same coin like you know destroy both of them like just you know like your relationships with people family like allegiances like all of that like that seems to be like that's kind of my takeaway of his like throne room rant yeah, it'll be really interesting to see where they go with him as the supreme leader, um, as we assume that he will be, because it's like, 
he does seem more intent on destroying things, I guess, than controlling them. Um, and it, it always has felt weird, you know, Kylo Ren is part of the First Order because, mm-hmm. I mean, he talks the talk in The Force Awakens, I suppose, but it just doesn't ever really feel like that's something that would matter that much to mm-hmm. him. Like, you know, that power uh, in the way that it did clearly to Palpatine and to Snoke. Um, maybe I'm off on that, but it just no. doesn't seem like he would really care that much about controlling all these systems and controlling the galaxy. Uh, but he's going to have to as the new Supreme Leader. And I, and I would say, I guess, like, I suppose in the final scenes of The Last Jedi, um, his goal is to destroy his uncle. Mm-hmm. And um, if you want to be less generous towards him, you know, I don't know if there's as much evidence, but to destroy his mother. Um, and if not that, at least to destroy the Resistance for sure. He definitely wants to kill Luke. Yeah. He wants Luke dead. Mm-hmm. And he wants the resistance wiped out completely. Um, and so I guess on a micro level, that's, you know, control, but it's definitely destruction too, right? So um, I don't know. It'll be it'll be really interesting to see uh, where they go with him as far as that goes, because I think that's one of the big questions coming out of The Last Jedi is like, well, you know, this guy doesn't necessarily seem like he wanted to be in Snoke's position. He worked for Snoke. But he didn't necessarily seem like, you know, his long-term career goals <laughs> were to be Snoke in the future. Yeah. Um, but he he made himself that pretty quickly. And so then the question is, will he lean into that? Will he become more controlling? Will he have more interest in the politics of the First Order? And if not, then what does that mean for the First Order, you know? Yeah, I think, like, it's completely, like, he's from being like a subordinate to Snoke to like his position as the Supreme Leader, like all of his positions within the First Order have just been to like accomplish his personal goals. Like it has nothing to do with the, you know, I don't think like he's just super into the beliefs of the First Order. Like he even, like he even says to Rey, like, Let's just get rid of the First Order. Let's get rid of the Resistance, the Jedi, the Sith, like, all of that. Like, who cares? And I think, like, the... But, like, we still don't really know, like, what exactly Ben Solo wants, really. Because it seems like he wants different things at different times. Yeah, even that moment, and and I'm going to... Uh, I could be really wrong here. Maybe I am, but I remember him in that moment being like, you know, the Jedi, the rebellion, the resistance, the emperor or the empire, whatever, Snoke. Uh, Does he ever say the first order? Like, let's just forget about the first order. I don't know if he actually says the first order there, but um, he might though. I mean, he definitely, it, it feels like that's like what he's saying, but I don't know if he actually includes the first order in that list or not. Um, but even if he does or he doesn't or whatever, it's like, that really feels like his join me and together we can rule the galaxy together, you know, sort of moment. Like, what is he asking her to do if it's not join him to be in control of everything? What would she be joining him to do? You know what I mean? He has, you know, he has killed Snoke. He has, I guess at that point he hasn't yet told Hawks like, no, you're not the Supreme Leader. I am. But I mean, everything he does from that moment on and before that, really, to me, is like, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to be in charge. You know what I mean? So 
And and I know that that almost directly contradicts what I had just said a minute ago, which is that it doesn't seem like that's what he wants. But at the same time, like you you watch the Last Jedi from that point on, and I don't think you see anything that would contradict the idea that that's what he wants either. You know what I mean? He he reaches for it in every possible way. So I don't know. But but that but I still haven't. There's enough question for me though that I'm like, I does he want it? You know what I mean? I don't know. It's it's uh. It, it, it's tough to say. I think it's ambiguous or it's it's uh, it's unclear kind of where he's going to go as far as that lust for power or whatever is concerned. Um, maybe his motivations seem more genuine or, or more ideologically sound isn't the right word, but, you know, I don't know, pure um, than just like I want to be in charge. But, but I don't, I don't know. I, he does seem like he wants to be in charge at the same time, you know? Like, he does he does, and he doesn't, I feel like. It's almost like he wants to be in charge just so, like, he doesn't have to go through anyone else, like, to get yeah. the things that he thinks he wants, which yeah, maybe. I think, you know, obviously there's some confusion there, but... Um... Yeah. Anyways, this was our episode on Chief Palpatine. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're almost done. Yeah. But we, we always do this, don't we? we do. Like we, yeah. we but that's because Star Wars is so rich. Ryan, there's so and much to talk about as far as it all dual goes. Protagonists of the sequel trilogy, it always kinda comes back to them because they're really good. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, I want to share. Uh, I want to share an email from our friend Mike Harris. Uh, which um, Mike Harris? Who, uh, uh, Mike Harris. Um, I don't. Know, how do you differentiate him? Uh, I don't know how to. I don't know. Was it it's, the, it's Mike, the Harris. Mike Harris that we briefly hung, not rocked in Mike hung Harris. out with at Celebration, or the Mike Harris that we just missed at Celebration? The Mike Harris we hung out with. Okay. Yes, okay. but the Mike Harris that I just missed last weekend at Star Wars Days in Joliet. Oh, unfortunately, Oof. yes, it sucks Oof. that uh, I didn't get to meet up with him again. I was um, running behind, got there too late, screwed up. I missed the parade. I missed a bunch of cool stuff. Missed Mike. It was lame. Wow, and that was my bad. Yeah, yeah. but Joliet Star Wars Day was uh, was awesome. It was really really cool. Um, if you live in the Midwest, if you live like within like two or three hours of Joliet, Illinois, <laughs> I would really recommend going to it. It's it's like a mini Star Wars celebration. It's so cool. Um, it happens in Joliet, Illinois, every late May or early June, and uh, you should go. It's really cool. Um, and anyways, Mike was there because he lives near there, and, and I live a little less near there, but still pretty close. And so uh, we almost crossed paths, and we didn't, which sucks, but um, Mike was... Uh, or, or Mike did uh, respond to our call for feedback on the last Sheev episode. Mm. So he wrote us, yeah, he wrote us and he said, hey, John and Ryan, I'm enjoying your deep dive into the one and only uh, Emperor Palpatine. And I was so shocked to hear his laugh in that trailer. And I, for one, am glad he's back in The Rise of Skywalker. I still have a soft spot in my heart for Dark Empire. 
But like you, John, I don't want to see him return as a clone in episode nine. Suck it, Ryan. Okay, that that that's my comment. Suck oh, it, Ryan. Mike didn't giving, that. I, I said that. Yeah. yeah for Mike our listeners, I'm giving a big thumbs down to the idea yeah. of no clones. Like just saying, stay yeah. open to it. I would too if somebody just was like, suck it, Ryan. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'd rather it be done in a different way. At first, I just assumed they do it as some kind of vision or force back, but they could go to the or they could go the route they've been exploring in some of the comics lately so actually what we you know what you had brought up earlier ryan uh the sith aren't able to come back as force ghosts per se at least not like jedi but can attach themselves to objects yes. or places yep yeah charles yeah. Soul's that would be Darth cool to Vader. see on, right there it would be cool to see okay that'd be cool <laughs> to see on screen uh i trust jj and company to pull it off mm. no matter what they go with take care of more and may the force be with you so thank you very much yeah. mike um, it's, it's awesome to, uh, to hear from you. Uh, sorry, I missed you at Juliet Star Wars days, but, uh, yeah, I think like we're, we're pretty much both right on board with Mike's comment there, uh, other than the no clones thing, which, which you would push back on Ryan, but I'm uh, just saying like, there's a lot of possibilities out there. Yeah. Yeah. The truth is out there and it has nothing to do with clones. Um, but I think Mike is right to point to, uh, some of the evidence as you did, you know, earlier. Yeah. Right? When talking about, um, some... uh, Master Sifo-Dyas and his order back <laughs> in <laughs> the previous episode. How good is Ewan McGregor's delivery in that, in that part when he's like, Master, actually, how good is that Kaminoans, uh, <laughs> delivery too? And he's like, Master Sifo Dias. <laughs> Everybody's so confused. Um, I'm trying to save face in that How moment. Good is of the and clones. people say the prequels aren't good. Um, yeah, no, but uh, I mean, because there is the possibility, as Mike points out in his email, that like, what if it is just like Palpatine's back in some like, you know, flashback or force back or whatever? Yeah. And that could be the case, but I don't think they would do that and make a big deal out of it like they did, you know? Um, if it was just like, oh, he shows up for 30 seconds in a memory or a flashback, I just don't think they would have, you know, put the spotlight on him the way they did at Celebration. So I think yeah. it's got to be bigger than that. And uh, I'm with Mike. I think some kind of force or, or uh, not force, but like Sith haunting or uh, Sith possession even is the way they'll go. I love it. Like I'm, yeah, like, I mean, I love... I love the I love the idea that Puppetine ordered an unaltered clone for himself when he was putting in that uh, clone army order, and he's like, "Okay, give me a give me a give me a boba, and give me give me a me, and then like all these like other dudes, like, um, like I got I got the credits here, like it's cool, um, <laughs> I." Like, I like that just because, like, it ties back to my favorite Star Wars movie, Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. and It is like, not it, your favorite Star Wars it's movie. It's absolutely Stop. my favorite Star Wars movie. And <laughs> it's not. It, like, it, you know, it, it, it gives that shout out to that film, and that's really exciting. And I think that's, like, a good way to, um, you know, close out the Skywalker sagas to get people, like, really thinking about Attack of the Clones. Um, but I'm, I'm sure that's JJ's number one priority is to get him thinking about you, Attack of the Clones. Like, if you're not appeasing those AOTC fans, like this movie <laughs> is doomed from the start. Like, why even bother? But um, uh... but I like I also like I love this idea of like creepy magic and castles and 
artifacts and like hauntings and all of that stuff like that is that is so good and that sets up star wars for both the future and the past because Mm -hmm. like you know this stuff again like basically like it's now like a directive like everyone needs to go read charles soul's uh lando miniseries and then read his darth vader run especially the last arc um but like because it sets up like the potential to like like we're in like a present time present ish time you know and these these artifacts are showing up and there's these like hauntings and stuff but then like we we get like a little bit of backstory but like how cool would it be if like some of that stuff tied into you know whatever if like Benioff and Wise are doing their like pre 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 Star Wars thing like how cool would it be if like we see like those artifacts like being part of that present and stuff like uh like that's that's the kind of stuff that like gets me um and then like yeah. you know that leads to potential in the future as well because like this stuff you know it exists like palpatine took a long time like you know collecting all this and like he's was using it for something he had it for a reason so yeah I, yeah. It was one thing I that was one thing I didn't like as as I was reading back through the contingency plan or whatever. I was like uh or the project cinder and all that stuff is like in the aftermath books like uh they were pouring Sith artifacts like down into the core of Jakku to like set off a reaction or something and I was like wait, don't break those things. Don't don't melt them down. Don't destroy them. What's going on here? Like I didn't like that. Not like, all of them. We're just going to use them as ammunition. We're just start dumping Sith artifacts down into the core of the planet. Like I, I couldn't go for that yeah. part, but uh, Stars is wild. It is wild. Uh, I think it's going to be wild uh, in six months when we go to see the rise of Skywalker. And uh, not only is the planet Mustafar featured in the movie, but Vader's castle is featured yeah. in the film. If we see, I, I'm saying right now, I think 75 percent chance Vader's castle is in the movie, and I think Kylo Ren's going to go there, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, because he's. There's there's no cameo I want more in Star Wars Episode Nine than Vader's castle. Oh, okay. So we're not going with like I thought you were going to say Hayden Christensen or something, no. but like no, you Dude, just you I the will I will take that castle over Hayden. I will take mm-hmm. that castle over Padme, over resurrected robot spider leg on Solo, like. <laughs> Dude, I will even take that castle over thrice resurrected Darth Maul. <laughs> All right, we got to end this episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for viewing. Um, you can check out everything we do at blockaderunnerpodcast.com. Please email us, as our friend Mike did, at uh, blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Blockade Run. Ryan, you are on Twitter. At Braun Dwarf, B-R-A-W-N-D-W-A-R-F. 
All right. Uh, tomorrow, late morning, early afternoon, I think, Ryan, um, EA is showing off some gameplay footage for the first time of Jedi Fallen Order. So I wouldn't be shocked if we were back next week with some discussion of uh, that footage and that game, um, as well as maybe other things. But uh, yeah, we, uh, we've we been doing weekly, which is great. I don't know if we've ever said the word weekly out loud, um, but uh, since we missed our first week since January, now seems like the time to say it. We've been, we've been weekly. We, we are a uh, weekly we took, podcast, except when we're we not. Well, well, yeah, which is once no, since January. Okay. That's to, pretty good. To be fair, yeah, like um, I literally had no voice. I had like the sorest throat and it hurt so much to talk. And I was like, I was like very, it would have actually been really appropriate for the Palpatine episode because <laughs> it was, it was kind of like that, but also a frog. Yeah. I, I didn't bring it up because I'm, I think it's a problem that we missed that one episode. But what I'm saying is like, yeah, we'll be back next week because well, we're have, here basically you have every week. Friends. Don't. You? I do. Yeah, I could. John. You're right. I could have. Do, John, right. do you have other friends that you could have recorded this with? I, I do. Yes, I do. I do. If, I do have I, other friends. They're I, harder to get to like sit down and talk to me about Star Wars, but I do have other friends. Like I'm, I like I don't live in the same city as you, but like I could help you meet people. Like I could. <laughs> okay. I could maybe yeah. introduce you to some people on the internet. Mm. Okay. Cool. Step one. Um, engage me in uh, two hour plus long podcasts <laughs> that no one will listen to the end of um, should make me yeah I've made a lot of friends this way so um, actually I think like this might be your sheaf Palpatine manipulation tactic like you'll never make another friend because I will uh, tie you up in these <laughs> two hour plus how could, podcasts how could you possibly record an episode of this show without me you're just straight up an hour over the length of a podcast that anyone would actually listen to. So you're stuck with me, man. Nobody's ever going to be your friend again. Uh, Want to go see plan. an opera? 